grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word endures forever. Let us pray that we might hear God's voice. Spirit of Emmanuel, overshadow us in the proclaiming of your word. To our confusion, bring wisdom. To our darkness, your dawn. To our restlessness, Jesse's root. To our locked doors, David's key. To us and to every nation, speak your challenge and blessing. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. If only you would tear open the heavens and come down, mountains would quake before you like fire igniting brushwood or making water boil. If you would make your name known to your enemies, the nations would tremble in your presence. When you accomplished wonders beyond all our expectations, when you came down, mountains quaked before you. From ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God but you who acts on behalf of those who wait for you. You look after those who gladly do right. They will praise you for your ways. But you are angry when we sin. You hid yourself when we did wrong. We have all become like the unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a menstrual rag. All of us wither like a leaf. Our sins, like the wind, carry us away. No one calls on your name. No one bothers to hold on to you. For you have hidden yourself from us and have handed us over to our sin. But now, Holy One, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. All of us are the work of your hands. Don't rage so fiercely, Holy One. Don't hold our sins against us forever. But gaze now on all your people, all of us. The word of God. Thanks be to God. A reading from the second letter of Peter. Don't let it escape your notice, dear friends, that with the Lord, a single day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a single day. For the Lord isn't slow to keep the promise, as some think of slowness, but God is patient toward you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to change their hearts and lives. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a dreadful noise. The elements will be consumed by fire and the earth and all the works done on it will be exposed. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? 
You must live holy and godly lives, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. Because of that day, the heavens will be destroyed by fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But according to God's promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Therefore, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found by the Lord in peace, pure and faultless. Consider the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as our dear friend and brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When you picture the prophet Isaiah, what do you see? I suppose I've always imagined a man who hasn't seen a barber or a beard trimmer in many a moon. He's dressed in something uncomfortable, a shirt made out of burlap or the itchiest wool, bare feet heavily calloused or clad in sandals worn down from roaming the streets, proclaiming the word of the Lord. He sticks out like a sore thumb, a reminder that the message he bears from God disrupts, discomforts, and disturbs. But this week, after listening to Isaiah's intense prayer of longing, he doesn't seem all that strange to me. He sounds for all the world like someone strumming a guitar on the streets of Nashville. So keep that long unwashed hair, that untrimmed beard, that exchange the sackcloth for worn flannel and the sandals for scuffed work boots. And listen to his words that come before the passage Stephen read. Listen for a little bit of a twang. God, look down from heaven and see, where are your energy and your might? Where are your concern and your pity? Don't hold back. And why do you lead us astray, Holy One, from your ways? Why do you harden our hearts so we don't honor you? I can hear echoes of Andrew Marlin, of the duo Mandolin Orange, crooning, once the getting was good, but now the getting's got gone. So I'm going downtown just to tie one on. I'm oak-aged and sour. I'm going down by the hour, and I'm as blue as the night is long. After listening to Marlon plaintively sing, won't someone dance with me to a waltz about whiskey? It's not hard to imagine the prophet swirling a glass of Jim Beam while he sighs, if only, 
if only you would tear open the heavens and come down. That longing is familiar, whether it's for the one who broke your heart to walk through those doors, or for the Holy One to pick up the shattered pieces of your life. Isaiah's life had been broken open with the rest of Jerusalem, invading armies had smashed through the city walls, had set the temple ablaze. When the smoke cleared, part of the population had been marched off to Babylon in chains, and the remaining folks were reduced to poverty and despair. All that we treasured has become a ruin, cries the prophet. After all this, will you hold back, God? Will you keep silent? Where? Why? Will you or won't you? Isaiah's heartache ballad groans with these questions. On the other side of the centuries, churches in the Mediterranean were buzzing with questions of their own. Didn't Jesus promise to return before the first apostles died? After 70 years, how much longer can we be expected to stick around? Peter's disciple is quick to point out that with the Lord, a single day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a single day. And yet the challenge rings in our ears. The challenge he himself records. Where is the promise of the Lord's coming? Where? After all, nothing has changed. Do you ever feel like that? That there's nothing new under the sun? The same problems cycle again and again? At the Thanksgiving table or over the family Zoom call, the same old grievances are dredged up with the same siblings going on the attack or shutting down. In the Capitol, the same old partisan politics delayed desperately needed pandemic relief and election drama is still going strong for weeks after votes were cast. Meanwhile, almost a thousand people in the United States succumb to a preventable disease every single day. Meanwhile, unemployment runs out and neighbors wake to wonder how to feed their families. Meanwhile, the fog of depression refuses to lift and the chatter of anxiety just won't quit. Come on, Lord, tear open the heavens already. We can't bear this heartbreak anymore. It's so much easier to numb out. And there are 
so many options from which to choose. Our profit might go with whiskey, but it's just as easy to numb with food or Facebook or 24-hour news or shutting out the world completely. A friend recently reminded me how radical Isaiah sounds to Christians who feel as though they cannot and should not entertain doubts or bring their questions and laments to God. Equally radical is how God answers with a new heaven and a new earth. That's how God answers the prophet. Just a chapter later, after all those gut-wrenching questions, the Holy One proclaims, Look, I am creating a new heaven and a new earth. Past events won't be remembered. They won't come to mind. And Peter's disciple after imagining an inferno that will melt away soil, sea, and sky, asserts that God's promise remains the same. We are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Now I hear that, but my brain still grumbles. Yeah, a new heaven and a new earth is nice, but that's not exactly what I need at the moment. As if this were all about me. God's answer is indeed vast in nature because I'm not the only one asking questions. Isaiah and Peter, and you, and I, we might be using different words, but we hold our longing in common. Even if we refuse one another, scorching the earth between us rather than find common ground, even then, the roots we share still push through the soil in search of that aquifer of life-giving water. That underground spring bubbles up among us in no less place than at the baptismal font. In that water, we discover our shared vocation. In Peter's words, you must live holy and godly lives, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. Waiting for and hastening the new creation. Isaiah would be stunned as if the clay could cooperate with the potter in fashioning a work of beauty. Ordinary clay cannot, but in the Creator's hands, anything is possible. Even in his fiery vision of the end, 
Peter's disciple trusts that the potter does not want to waste a single scrap of precious clay. In God's patience, none will perish. All will be transformed. We are halfway through our Advent journey, looking ahead to the new creation, the new heaven and new earth. And we are living out God's promises on this blessed soil. Peter gives us our marching orders. Do not only wait, but hasten the coming day. Anticipatory hope is not enough anymore, writes Barbara Brown Taylor. Participatory hope. Participatory hope is the only kind that works now. I want cleats, not ruby slippers. Now, I don't know about cleats, but Advent's call to hope requires clothes that I don't mind getting dirty. That's because we'll need to get down on our hands and knees and go to the root. Yes, we will feed people in our community, but God sends us to find out what the roots of rural poverty are. Yes, we'll smile underneath our masks and welcome neighbors. But God sends us to dig up the root causes of insider and outsider dynamics. Of course, we'll preach the gospel. But God sends us deeper to tap into Jesse's root. To learn Jesus's way of being in the world. To be buried with Christ in baptism and to rise with Christ, to blossom into something new. Friends, to get to the root, let us take a page out of the prophet Isaiah's book and name our longings aloud and not alone. Because in that heartache, as much as in our joy, the Spirit is present to lead us deeper as individuals and also as a community. God is already at work in the soil beneath our feet and in the humus beneath our hearts, renewing and greening participants for a new creation. Such is the vast and life-giving grace that roots us in love. For such grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, our ending and our beginning, our past and our promise, our judge and our hope. Amen. Amen.